When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bigfoot Collectors Club presents Terrifying Tales from Zombie Bigfoot's Cryptid Crypt! <laughs> I know a ghost story about you! Hello everybody and welcome back to Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness i am your host michael mcmillan filling in for the missing bryce johnson this week is super producer riley bray and uh, look spooky ending to last week's episode uh yeah. strange strange voicemail that you got that i didn't get on the on the text thread yeah. Uh, also weird that it didn't show up on your end because you're on that thread. Yeah, which is strange. Uh, Bryce, you know, I've reached out a few times this week. Uh, can't get through. No answers from anyone in his immediate circle. So uh, I, I don't know. We're we're looking into it. We've got our best people on it. Um, if anyone out there listening has any leads on where Bryce Johnson could be right now, please Use the hashtag Where's Bryce and and let us know. Um, I I think I, we'll, I thought I heard water in the background of that. That was I, weird. I thought I did too, and we all know that water is a paranormal conduit. Yeah, um, but also so, I feel like maybe he's just like took off to the beach and is not telling us. I he mean, could have I, just been running a I bath. Put it past and, him. Yeah, he could have just been r- running a bath and pretending that he forgot that we had a recording session. Like it's like my working theory at this point, but we'll we'll see when he finally gets I back was to creeped us. out last week. This week I think he's just taking a little personal time off. That's right? what I'm You yeah. know what I mean? And that he's uh-huh. told Don not to answer the door when I come knocking, you know, because I did go over to their house about three times this week, pounding on the door, crying. But you do that every week, really. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I'm yeah. usually not crying, but I do show up unannounced well, a lot. So I don't yeah. know. Maybe we'll maybe we'll have some leads. Maybe we won't. Uh, I'm, but last week I was worried. This week I am I'm I'm saying, fine, Bryce, have it your way. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. We'll you know see. what I mean? We'll see. We'll see what yeah, happens. I do. But yes, it's 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 gone from concern to slight annoyance. Yeah, the... you know what? Fuck you, Bryce. Um, so <laughs> listen, it's a crazy Shots month. Fired. It's, it's October, <laughs> and this month we've returned to Zombie Bigfoot's Cryptid Crypt once again, all month long here and on our Patreon, BCC the Other Side, patreon.com slash Bigfoot Collectors Club, where we mm-hmm. will be focusing on spooky topics to coincide with Halloween. In the meantime. Time, uh, as we're worrying about Bryce, uh, distract us uh, uh, with a nice five star review on Apple Podcasts. It gets people, you know, more people to the show. And if it sounds like I'm vamping, it's because I am, because I forgot to pull out a five star review for this week. But I'm going to do one right now. Wow, I wouldn't have even known. I was, I was right there with you. I like to Don't. tell on myself. 
This is uh, this is <laughs> what really I've been into told. rules and uh, yeah. You know, when I was a lad and it was Christmas time, I once snuck into uh, the I, I snuck around and looked for presents, and I found General Hawk, a GI Joe, in the trunk of my mom's Volvo. And then mm-hmm. instead of just keeping quiet about it, I immediately confessed, cried, and then my mother punished me by saying, "Well, maybe you won't get it." <laughs> and I was wow! Like, See, that's a life lesson. That's what you get yeah. for your your honesty. That's what happens in I, this world. I still got it. Oh, look. Here's, oh, my, here's our five-star review. Here's an example of what you can write, and we'll read on the air. Perfect timing. Just what I needed to hear. Moms love Michael, too. Five Yay. stars from Melanie A. Sending lots of love to Michael. Keep up with the strangeness. Thank you. You know, Melanie, you sound like a mother who wouldn't threaten to take uh, her son's <laughs> general hawk action figure away because he confessed that he found it in the trunk of your car. By the way, use a better hiding place next time. Leslie McMillan. Um, just doxed my mom on my own podcast. Oh, he did. Uh, yeah, throw the hot. home address and social there. Or? I'm coming in hot this week. Um, all right. Let's bring in our guests. Uh, they're amazing. Uh, they've been on the show before, but not in an official capacity. We last spoke to them uh, uh, doing Phenomenicon, their awesome live event, live stream so event fun. last last year. Uh, they're paranormal investigators. They're filmmakers and stars of the paranormal docuseries Hellier, which we love over here on BCC. Mm-hmm. And they are the curators of the Traveling Museum of the Paranormal and Occult club scouts of all timelines please welcome back to the clubhouse for the first time greg and dana newkirk hello hey thanks for having us guys i'm so excited to have you guys here what would uh the spooky season be without a visit from the two of you um i mean uh, this has got to be your busiest time of year you know uh, it it normally is, but mm-hmm. we're we're in strange times right now, and it's not the best time for a traveling museum. You know, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> do you feel? And we're going to get into this later in the show. But do you feel like? Be, are you spending more time with your haunted artifacts than you typically would? Do you loan these things out, or uh, because are you? Here's here's the bottom line: Are you experiencing more paranormal activity at home right now? You know, we, I think so for sure. We just moved. We had to move into a bigger place because, uh, the boxes were stacking up pretty high. I mean, we, we get stuff constantly and there's a few things. The fact that we're sort of half moved in and we're doing construction on the place we're living in at the same time. So that like weird liminal, liminal space, plus the fact that, you know, we're in a new place and there's a lot of things that we'd never had out before that we have out mm. like really weird ar- artifacts and new artifacts that have just been in storage. Now they're out and about in the yeah. house. And they're having to sort of get used to a new kind of energy and a new space, which I think is sort of making it extra weird. Yeah. It's like when you have kids and they have to go to a new school and they're living, <laughs> it's sort of a bit like that. Like everybody's kind of having to get used to a new space. So it is, a, it's been a bit weird this year. Weirder what, than usual. What specifically weird? Uh, I mean, are you seeing like orbs? Are you hearing noises? Uh, oh, the noises just, are huge. Yes, there's there's okay. um there's a room upstairs 
that has been dedicated just for ritual magic and it like it knows that's what it's for. And so there are a lot of things that happen in that room. Yes. There are bangs on the wall in that room. The door opens and the handle jiggles by itself. I I accidentally, I I wish I would have caught the whole thing, but I was making an Instagram. I was filming an Instagram story. And right as I hit the the record button that I caught the tail end of the door to that room opening and kind of closing by itself. And that was sort of the beginning of it. What? It's gotten weirder. (laughs) I mean, two days ago, Greg heard my voice call his name behind him and he turned around and I wasn't there. And then he, then I came out of the room in front of him. So it's been that. I about crapped my pants because (laughs) I mean, it was one of those types of, Hey, Greg, you know, you know, the kind of tone someone takes when they're going to take your picture and they're like, turn around, I'm going to take your picture. It was Mm -hmm. that. And I turned around and then I, I was like, what the hell? And I look over and Dana walks out of the other side of the room. And uh, yeah, so that Whoa. kind of stuff has been happening a lot lately. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because they say when you're moving or you're doing renovations, that's mm-hmm. when if there's a, if there are spirits in the house, they're going to activate. And not to mention the fact that you're bringing in. Uh, you know, years of paranormal artifacts, things that you guys have collected. That's got to be like a lightning rod, or you know, I don't know something. What what's something that would you bring in? Is there a term for that? Something that you would bring into a space to activate it? Sometimes we call them trigger objects. That's uh, what it, I was thinking of. Yeah, if we go uh, to certain places, you know, like some. For instance, we have a, a in the museum. We have a old gown from Waverly Hills sanitarium and it uh it was a patient's gown and so it's interesting to sort of bring things that are historically important to locations um like that and they do act really successfully as trigger objects plus at this point there's there's so much weird (laughs) shit roaming around the house Uh, I mean there's between all the stuff with Hellier and then all the weird stuff with the the museum and then moving I I don't know what the hell's going on anymore (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought it up. It's been a year since we spoke to you guys last, roughly. Yeah. Um, and I know we're obviously in the in a very similar situation that we're in right now a year ago. <laughs> and I had been asking about Hellier if anything had been happening. And you're like, well, you know, we can't really get out there and investigate the way that we want to. The world has opened up a little bit, a little bit. Um any updates on the Hellier case? And for those of us uh, who are listening uh, and may not know what that is, can you give us like, uh, I don't know if this is a tall order, but like a brief <laughs> nutshell of what the Hellier case even is and maybe where you guys are at with it right now. And obviously no spoilers here. You can't give too much away, but I'm dying to know. It's been almost two years since season two. I want to know what's going on. <laughs> well, almost 10 years ago, we got a series of very weird emails from this guy who claimed that little goblins were coming out of a mine shaft on the edge of his property in rural Eastern Kentucky. And uh, eventually our friend Carl Pfeiffer, a filmmaker from Colorado and uh, another one of our friends, um, Connor Randall, they wanted to come out and, and see if we could figure out what was going on there. And we went to this place, this little hauler uh, by the name of Hellier and things just got way out of control where uh, a little less goblins, a little more worldwide uh, ritual magic and conspiracy. And it's it's sort of turned into this really expansive mystery that we never would have anticipated that involves everything from 
uh, you know, secret underground bases and UFO sightings and uh, secret codes in Lots the Book of, of the Law. <laughs> Lots of synchronicity. That's the word. If you if you watch Hellier for the first time, don't be tempted to turn it into a drinking game. You'll die. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we say that word a lot. Um, and uh, so we put two seasons of it out in a year. There's 15 episodes of it so far, uh, and it is ongoing. Um, we have been kind of digging into some other weird stuff. I mean, the inbox that we have for uh, what we call the, affectionately the Alien Cave Base Task Force <laughs> is constantly getting very strange emails um some of which are easy to take seriously and others not so easily <laughs> right <laughs> but uh yeah it's gone in a direction you know since season two wrapped uh and everybody's caught up on on where that's ended i don't quite think people are gonna anticipate where it goes mm-hmm. it's very it's, weird yeah and uh I, i'm trying to think of what i can say the oh synchronicities gosh. haven't stopped. Yes. There are some definitely, I mean, they're weirder than they've ever been. And they just, we just sort of follow them and they push us into very interesting directions that I, I would not have anticipated. And I think that where it's going now is, is bigger than any of us ever would have thought it yeah. would be. Is this I- why you had to move? Because <laughs> funny enough, funny enough, uh, the level of, actual like crazy stalker people is huge (laughs) i get emails oh Mm. dude i get emails that have like our uh home address in them uh old the old one and uh yeah i've actually i've I've literally had to file police reports because of some Mm -hmm. pretty insane folks uh, thanks to hellier if you're listening to this and you love Greg and Dana, do not go to their house. Don't stand <laughs> in their driveway. Leave them well, alone. It's not the people that love us that I'm worried about. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but they but they they think they may not love you, but they actually really do. That's the whole wow. thing. And there's, there's a thin definitely line. definitely taking up some real estate in their brains, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, there was a phase where uh, Bryce uh, went through a real, you know, secret cipher, the UFO, UFO knots phase and was like into that whole case. And then oddly enough, you guys started talking about it in Hellier season two. And I know that you guys were involved, not involved, but like conducted some um, some some rituals to invoke Pan in some of the caves <laughs> you went into. And I know, Greg, you were super freaked out about that stuff and maybe participating yeah. in that. Have you discovered that maybe you are a powerful warlock in 2020? Are you getting more comfortable <laughs> th- with this? <laughs> I think we all have the capacity to be a very powerful warlock. <laughs> I think it's it's our own preconceived notions about what we think is is real and not real and, and right or wrong. And I mean, I, I struggle a lot with season two. I mean, most people who who know me know that, you know, my dad was a Baptist minister. They mm. really are not thrilled with my chosen career path. And, you know, anyone who's raised really religious, you you know that you have that little voice in the back of your head that's like, you're going to hell for this. And it, mm. it just, it, it won't go away. Um, it's gone now. Like season two killed that. And I think that's part of, that's part of the journey. I think that's part of the initiation is realizing uh, you can let go of some of that old baggage. And so like, you know, for someone like me 10 years ago saying that I'm going to have a, a room that's just dedicated to doing ritual magic, uh, that's unheard of. You never would have heard me say that. Um, so I would yeah, say, I, I'd say I'm all in. 
Yeah, and I would say that like moms and dads who are raising, you know, r- strictly religious kids, obviously you're not probably listening to this, but you're kind <laughs> of you're handing a guidebook to your kids to believe in the supernatural. You know, Riley, you can back me up on this. How many guests have we had on the show that have been like, "Well, I was raised you know, super Catholic or super this mm-hmm. or super that. And then mm-hmm. either they just reject it all completely or they're like, and then that's what got me thinking about ghosts and God. It me really into- sets the scene. Yep. Especially the Catholicism. It's just so like ritualistic and it, it, it looks aesthetically. It's so like metal and spooky and like <laughs> it just really primes the young mind to just go exactly in the opposite direction. Yeah. And you want to do what you're. You want to do what your parents tell you not to do. All right. The time. Well, totally. Last yeah. week's guest, Tracy Villar, was talking about how, you know, there were lots of saints and altars in, in the house that she grew yeah. up in, you know. And so having a holy space or a place of ritual, you know, wasn't uncommon. And once you sort of have that infrastructure, you can go, oh, OK, well, maybe I'm not reaching out to uh, saints, but I can you know, use what I learned about this and growing up around it and maybe, you know, use it in different ways. So, you know, I'm just saying, you know, it's a tall order to teach your kid to believe in supernatural gods and stuff and then not expect them to use that in some fashion later in exactly, life. Exactly, yeah. You know? It's um, in there. What is, tell me about some of the, if you don't mind, because uh, Dana, you... uh I'm pulling this from memory. You're a hedge hedge witch, correct? Mm-hmm. Am I getting that? Okay. So we know that you are a magic practitioner. Is is this is is watching your husband get into this? Um, is this exciting for you, or you're like, hey man, stay in your lane? <laughs> I I mean, I think it's really fascinating. I think watching people find the road into uh, practicing magic or having magic be a part of their life is always something that's really interesting to me. So I'm actually really excited about it. And I think that, you know, I'm, I'm glad that it happened this way where it's like, this is, this is his thing, you know, it's, it's what's inspired him. Um, And yeah, I think that that's, I think it's a really beautiful thing. So what type of stuff are we getting into in that room, Greg? Like what <laughs> what kind of magic or is this like chaos magic? What is what's going on? What are you uh what are you tapping into right now? What are you exploring? I mean, a, a lot of it's, you know, straight up ritual magic, high magic, things mm-hmm. like, you know, uh trying to speak to ultra terrestrial entities through ritual. Yes. like, it's, I, I realized that that, you know, saying that sounds crazy to probably not anyone, but show. us, <laughs> not on this show, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, the idea, you know, the aim according to a lot of, of ritual magicians of, of magic is to establish communication with entities from outside of our space and time. And that's the idea. You know, I, I'm just thinking now it probably wouldn't be a bad idea for you to maybe try to make contact with Bryce the next time that you're in there. Oh, uh, that oh might, I like that. 
Listen, I think he's just not talking to me right now. I don't know what's happening. But if you could get some answers, we would appreciate that. Yeah, I will shake telephone. Yeah, I'll shake a magic gourd and see what happens. Because <laughs> his I mean, his message that message was spooky last week. It was spooky. I, I I you know listeners go back and listen to that. But I I I think it's I think you're right. There was water involved, and it's very strange. But um. Even if I, he is I, just blowing us off, though, I love the idea of Greg just like teleporting himself in there <laughs> and being like, yo, dude, call your friends. All right. I got to go. Exactly. I'm busy. Exactly. I'm just going to do like a force projection ghost <laughs> right, exactly. and just show yeah. up wherever he's hiding uh, and say, hey, there's people trying but, to get a hold of you, dude. But Greg, then all those fundamentalist Star Wars fans will be very mad at you if you do that. That's you true. can't, that you can't true. show up as a force spirit and, and, and not uh, fight an ad at. Um, um, I want to know, I want to know if, what is your take right now, both of you guys on, do you think that you're literally contacting a entity that is outside of your consciousness or is it more about tapping into something that's with deep within yourself that is maybe a higher self or a higher consciousness? It's such a, it's such a hard question. Cause I think it's a, for me personally, I think it's kind of a bit of both in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. I think, I think the, the line sort of between the two is often pretty, uh, pretty thin. So I kind of think sometimes we are communicating with the higher aspect of ourselves. Maybe sometimes we're communicating with archetypes that, that, you know, have kind of become thought forms or our collective kind of consciousness, but I also think that we are communicating with, you know, ultra terrestrials with things that exist with outside of our kind of reality. So I think that it's kind of all of the above sort of. I think that to truly go outside of yourself, you have to go inside yourself. Mm. I think if we consider that we're all part of the whole, every one of those pieces exists within us somewhere. Sure. And so, uh, you know, I, I think it was John Keel that said, if you travel far enough into space, you'll eventually see the back of your own head. Mm. And so I think, yeah. I think we're all sort of in that thing. So I don't really care how it works. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I like to think that we're all part of the, the other and the other's part of us. And either way to me, whether there's something out there uh, or whether there's something in here, either way is, is fascinating and, and frightening. And I, I want to explore it more. There was a cool thing that I heard. I mean, he only says cool things, but Grant Morrison was talking about this. And I, in a re, in an interview that I read recently, um, and I hadn't heard him talk about, you know, because he talks about like evoking gods and speaking to higher intelligences. And, you know, there's a scene in the first issue of The Invisibles where the main character is contacting like the god form of John Lennon like John Lennon's spirit. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how that was based on something that he really did where he, he was like, I want to talk to John Lennon and had this like conversation basically with the essence of John Lennon in this interview. He talked about how he feels like he basically the ritual silenced every part of himself that wasn't composed of John Lennon, you know, cause he'd obviously mm. spent a lifetime or an adolescence listening to the Beatles. And so it was basically like tuning everything out in his consciousness that wasn't John Lennon. So then he can engage with the pure John Lennon part of his brain, 
you know, part of his consciousness. And I never heard it put that way before, but I think, and maybe I'm focusing on the wrong stuff that at that point, what's the difference between really talking to a ghost or a spirit and talking to yourself, you know, a hundred percent. I, you know, every Christmas we have a seance and talk to Santa Claus. Every Christmas <laughs> oh Eve, God, we that. have a seance and we talk to Santa Claus. Santa, something that is a fictional character, actually comes in and we get EVPs that say ho, ho, ho. Like, it's the whole deal. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know how that works. Uh, but I think that a lot of that's coming from stuff that's inside of us already. And Please tell me that cookies are involved with the seance. We did actually. Yeah, we had, that was our altar. We, we yeah. created a little altar space with all sorts of Santa Claus yeah. paraphernalia. Yeah. On Halloween, we do one where we, the, one time during an Estes method session, <laughs> this entity popped in that called itself uh, Harlow, uh, space vampire from Saturn. Okay. And... <laughs> We just now we have seances and talk to Harlow and use a pair of plastic uh, Halloween teeth, uh, Halloween vampire teeth as our trigger object. Harlow space vampire <laughs> from Venus from Saturn. From Saturn. Saturn. Sorry. That, that of sounds like I a long lost Harlow. Bowie record. Or <laughs> uh, OK, two, two quick things. One, I never thought about the fact that like setting out cookies and milk for Santa is exactly like setting out like milk. Or like bread and wine for fairies. Makes yeah. sense. Sure. sense now. Never thought about that. Cake, you know, cake and something for, for fairies. Um, so there's that. Also, I we got to hear more about Harlow the Space Vampire from Saturn. What's his deal? <laughs> you you want to this on. one? Sure. It was, I want to we... know. I, this, this answers my question. I was like, what do the New Kirks do for Halloween? Here we go. <laughs> One of the things that I kind of like doing before uh, an Estes session sometimes is uh, I really just sort of set the intention that like I'll communicate with whoever is wanting to come through. And for some reason this night, the there was this very dominant personality who uh, who kind of like really took hold of, you know, every sound that I was hearing coming out of the the spirit box and it, 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 the it, Harlow had a very, like very funny kind of sassy personality. Like it was a really funny, funny, um, uh, Estes method session from, at least from my end, because I'm only again, hearing half of it. But yeah. It was this space vampire that called itself Harlow and told us that he was from Saturn. And that, uh, I think I want to say he, he said that the Estes session was top quality weird at one <laughs> yeah. point in time. Like it was just very, mm. very funny. And remind our listeners what an Estes session is. Yeah. So uh, friends of ours, again, Carl Pfeiffer and Connor Randall came up with this method to use uh, an SB7 spirit box, which is something that a lot of paranormal investigators will use. And it is essentially a radio that cycles quickly through AM or FM channels. And the thought behind it is that uh, perhaps spirits can utilize the uh, you know the, the sound of the the box kind of cycling through, and so we we've done lots of experiments with it, and and a lot of people will use them. Uh, the problem often is that when you have one going in kind of a group of people, it's really easy for everybody to sort of like start hearing the same thing, and it it becomes difficult to sort of tell what you're actually like what you're actually hearing come out of it. There's a lot of group think. Yeah. Group think. Exactly. I, I hate, I hate SB sevens. I yeah. hate spirit boxes of all kinds. 
And it was, wasn't until Carl and Connor introduced mm-hmm. us to the Estes method that I went, oh, wow, this is great because exactly. it rules out any group bias. So what they mm-hmm. thought was, why don't we have one person in the group uh, plug into the box with a set of headphones, cover their eyes so that they have a, uh, they're have they in sort of a state of uh, deprivation, like deprivation from their environment and um, a bit of isolation. And so the person who's on the box is basically just saying out loud everything that they're hearing. And the people who are watching are able to ask questions. And that sort of rules out the, that again, that group think, that idea that, that, you know, everyone sort of, oh, I, I think it said get out. And then everyone's like, yeah, I heard get out. It's very interesting when you have this person incredibly isolated and then they start answering your questions and they start interacting with you because again, that, the, that person should not be able to hear anything that, that is going on outside of them aside from, you know, that radio that's quickly kind of cycling through those stations. So it's been a really interesting experiment and a really interesting method to, to use on paranormal investigations. And, you know, we use it quite a bit in Hellier. Um, Mm -hmm. and so that's what we were doing that night when we were communicating with Harlow, the space vampire, we were really just sort of saying, if there's anybody or anything out there that wants to communicate with us. Well, this is the weird thing. This was a, uh, an Estes method session Dana was doing at Waverly Hills. Yeah, it was Waverly um, Hills. Because that's, you know, like an hour away from us here in Cincinnati. Um, Where the gown is from. Where where the the gown gown. is from. Yeah. And so we were thinking we're going to, we're here to talk to ghosts. Yeah. I think the problem is though, we've noticed we have a bit of an issue. Um, (laughs) I think it's just, I think it's just, we've tuned our brains wrong after Hellier. We have a lot harder (laughs) or right after Hellier. We have a lot harder time talking to ghosts. Yeah. And it seems like when we do talk to ghosts, there are other things that are trying to talk to us too. And they're like, we've been waiting for you to do this again. Our frequency. We have important things to say. (laughs) So, um, that was the first time Harlow showed up. And then we had a couple, uh, like Halloween seances where we just said, okay, let's see if we can contact him again. Sure enough. He shows up. So he's, he's out there or in here somewhere. What's his game? Like, what does he do? Like, what does he want? Uh, just a good time, he man. He says, he says, she's like, stay cool guys. Like he, he talks like an eighties cool guy Yeah, and like makes jokes about drinking blood yeah. and he can't come out at night. He talked about turning into a bat. Yeah. I literally picture him like a, like the kid from monster squad in like the leather jacket with like just the sunglasses and the slick back hair. He's just one of the lost cool boys. Basically. Yeah. He's one of the lost boys. Except exactly. he's from space. Whoa. I love it. And maybe when he <laughs> says Saturn, maybe he was like worked at the Saturn dealership. Down <laughs> it's the street. entirely possible. I mean, may, maybe he's just a vampire that sells Saturns. <laughs> he seems like a modern, <laughs> a modern guy. I love that. What other Halloween traditions do you guys have? Do you do you throw a big party, or is it just all about uh, Harlow the Space Vampire now? Dude, our whole year is Halloween, yeah. so yeah. we kind of take <laughs> Halloween off. We we. We just chill. We just watch horror movies and give out candy. That's pretty much it. Just shockingly normal like the rest of us, aren't you? (laughs) I mean, aside from talking to a space vampire in a a seance at midnight, that's it. That's fair. That's fair enough. (laughs) Um, Okay, well, before we go to break, we have a game that we love to play with all of our guests. And we played this with you on the show last year, but I don't think we played the Halloween version of it. Um, Mm. 
uh, forgive me if I'm incorrect, but I believe we did. Um, and and actually, uh, so this is a game we call Bullshit or Believe It. But we had a uh, a listener named Jeff who tweeted at us and said that for Zombie Bigfoot Month, we should call Bullshit or Believe It Ghoul Shit or Boo Leave It. And <laughs> while I don't want to encourage notes from everybody, uh, I also cannot turn a grout, uh, t- turn down a great pitch when I hear it. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, nailed Greg it. and Dana, I'm going to go down a list of phenomena. If you're open to it, you're going to say, believe it. If you're not open to it, you're going to say ghoul shit. Uh, you can only pick one or the other. Uh, we're forcing you to be binary here. It's not very cool, but we're doing it. Uh, if you're on the fence, you still have to you still have to pick a side. Okay, so this is a game that we're now calling Ghoul Shit or Believe It. Greg and Dana Newkirk, on your mark, get set. Ghosts, believe it. Believe it. UFOs, believe, believe it. it. Bigfoot. Believe, believe it. it. Vampires. <laughs> believe it. Believe it, yeah. Shadow people. <laughs> believe, believe it. I think this is definitely trend. <laughs> Loch Ness Monster. Believe it. Oh, ghoul shit. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a big <laughs> Fuck off. No way. <laughs> oh. well, Alien Grace. Believe it. Believe it. Werewolves. Ghoul, ghoul shit. shit. Yeah. Parallel universes. Believe, Believe it. it. Zombies. Believe it. Shapeshifters. Ghoul, Ghoul shit. shit. Heaven. Ghoul, Ghoul shit. shit. <laughs> Hell. Believe it. Ghoul shit. Yeti. Believe it. Believe it. Astrology. Believe, Believe it. ESP. Believe it. it. Witches. Believe, Believe it. it. Demons. Ghoul shit. Ghoul shit. Atlantis. Ghoul shit. Ghoul shit. <laughs> Mothman. Believe, Believe it. it. The Jersey Devil. Ghoul shit. Ghoul shit. The Biblical Devil. Oh, Ghoul shit. <laughs> Life on other planets. Believe, Believe it. it. Life after death. Believe, Believe it. it. <laughs> the joy of listening to two adults <laughs> saying believe it. <laughs> it's great. It's great. <laughs> oh, shit is maybe my stupid. new favorite curse, too. You yeah, know? Exactly. yeah. Cool shit. That's a good one. Oh, this is cool shit, man. Uh, oh my God. Um, listener uh John, I believe your name was Jeff. Thank you so much for that suggestion. I'm sorry job, I didn't think of it myself. That was pretty great. Um, I'm okay. Couple couple things I want to circle back on: zombies, believe yeah, for yeah. sure. I don't. I mean, I don't think like Walking Dead zombies, but I think you know the the old school idea of the of the Haitian zombie. Mm-hmm. I believe that you know scopolamine exists. Man, people do weird mm-hmm. stuff on that. Wow, that's. I think Derek Hayes was with you on that one as well. We had Derek Hayes mm-hmm. this month say the same there thing. Uh, let's see. Dana, what's your problem with Loch Ness Monster? Let's just <laughs> yeah, I need to know this too. I, I feel <laughs> like I really want to believe in the Loch Ness Monster, but I've not ever seen anything that I thought was compelling. Enough. Oh my God. It's a ghost. Okay. 
I mean, it, I guess it could be a ghost. <laughs> Alistair Crowley summoned that thing. That's true. Uh, Crowley he, did. He he did not finish a ritual, and maybe, he brought that thing in from some other world, and now it's, it's there. Not the, the not the traditional kind of you know creature in in mm-hmm. the water that I believe the friendly plesiosaur who is exactly exactly. I mean, I don't know. It could be there. Could be. <laughs> Greg's maybe. really disappointed I, in me. <laughs> I'm really invested in the Loch Ness monster. You really are. I, I'm with you. I'm surprised. To hear, maybe not. Uh, maybe that's unfair of me. That like we're we're ruling out demons. I think, I think it's loaded. Yeah, I think it's a loaded term, and I think the problem is most people when they think of demon, they're going to think of like oh uh, the stuff in like the Conjuring movies or, mm-hmm. or the Exorcist mm-hmm. and things like that. I don't believe in those. Yeah, I maybe think the traditional interpretation. The, the traditional interpretation, I don't agree with. Is there room, is there something as like, uh, are are there such things as a malevolent spirit? I don't think everyone can be grumpy. Yeah. I mean, do do you know anything aside from maybe wasps that just exist to be an asshole? (laughs) Mosquitoes. Mosquitoes. Well, mosquitoes, that's true. I don't think they can do anything. Uh, Yeah. They don't know any different. I I I just think it's, 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 I, I hate black and white stuff because the world is really not very black and white. It's very gray. And I think people who exist in paranormal spaces should know that more than anything. Yeah. Right. It's, it, it's just shades of gray. And so you miss out on a lot of that nuance. Yeah. You know, to think that maybe that there there's an, there's entities out there, anything that's intelligent enough to communicate with us only wants to hurt us. It only exists to be, you know, quote unquote evil. Um, that feels like a very limiting view to me. And I think that there's a lot, if not too much of that in, in the paranormal field. And I don't think it does anyone any favors for, you know, the thing Dana and I are always saying is if you can learn to be, uh, you know, curious instead of afraid of a monster under your bed, well, then the weirdo neighbor next door shouldn't be that hard to befriend. You know, that's my thought. I think that's beautifully said. And I just want to know, I just want to state for the record, I'm not pro-demon. I'm not trying to get demons to exist, okay? <laughs> I was just interested in that answer. I wasn't accusing you. I wasn't I, accusing uh, you. Thank you. Uh, and strong I should, opinions. I didn't mean to take it personally either. But that was, I think that's a great answer. Uh, that's awesome. Um, we'll all think about that while we're listening to a couple sponsors on this break. And then when we come back, it's time to talk Haunted Artifacts with Greg and Dana. All right, we're back. Greg and Dana Newkirk, so pumped to have you on the show. Um, Let's talk about some of these haunted artifacts that you two are crazy enough to have, not in just your former home, but your new home, and you're setting them out (laughs) in your space. What the fuck? (laughs) Uh, Everybody needs a home, man. Uh, This is not anything we... I, I guess I should have learned my lesson right before break and not judge these artifacts. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> we never set out to do this. This wasn't anything we ever expected to do, but it just sort of, I, we, you know, we started collecting weird stuff. Uh, we've been ghost hunting since we were kids. It's literally how Dan and I know each other. We're, mm-hmm. we had rival ghost hunting teams as, as kids on the internet. And doing this that long, you sort of collect little trinkets here and there. You know, the first thing that I ever collected that uh, had anything to do with the paranormal was a, a little piece of coal that was tossed at me, uh, ostensibly by a ghost 
in a haunted mining cemetery in northeastern Pennsylvania, Barkley Cemetery. And I kept that all this time. And then from that point on, I just sort of collected little things. And Dana had family members who would give her things because, you know, she was the weirdo kid. Uh, And so eventually one day we said, you know, why don't we take this stuff out? We were giving a lecture about um, how to get abducted by aliens, which is something that eventually was an experiment we ended up doing in, in, in season two of Hellier. And we didn't have anything to sell or promote. Uh, they just wanted us to come and give this lecture at this uh, convention. And we thought, well, we got this booth. Let's just bring a bunch of our weirdest stuff from some of our cases. And we had a little handwritten sign that said, you know, traveling museum of the paranormal and just had a bunch of stuff there and people loved it. And we realized nobody ever has a chance to really interact with this stuff whenever they come across it. Uh, you know, whether it's a, a, there's not very many museums for it to begin with, but whenever they have a chance to see it at a museum, it's locked behind a case and they say, don't touch it. You'll die. Mm -hmm. Um, and we don't have that belief system. And so it was important for us, for people to be able to interact with this stuff in a tactile way. And, uh, then it just spiraled out of control. (laughs) Now it's taken over our lives. Yes. As most collections (laughs) do, no matter (laughs) what they are, I suffer from the same issue. Um, that, yeah, when I think of like cursed objects or haunted artifacts, like something like the Hope Diamond comes to mind, you know, something mm-hmm. where like everyone who has held this has suffered an ill fate. Is there is there anything like that in your possession where you're like everybody who had this like that was eaten by an invisible tiger? You know, like, is there anything <laughs> that you're like, this is a little this is followed around and killed people because that's what I be about the about. ring. Oh my tell, god! Tell them about the ring, Dana. Yeah, so <laughs> Greg, I I tend to be a little uh, forgetful of that people do send us really crazy things, and one of the the things that showed up to our PO box a couple of months ago was a ring. And when it showed up, I was like, "Oh, cool!" And I literally put it on my finger, oh, and no. then well, because because it's the same post office box as like people will send us, yeah, like like gifts in the mail, yeah. And yes. so every once in a while, somebody will send Dana a ring. And I mean, it's kind of your first instinct to like put a ring on your finger when you when you're holding it to be like, "Oh, what does this feel like on my finger?" And I literally put it on my finger, and as it was on my finger, I was like, "Oh, there's a little tag on here," and I flipped the tag over, and it said. If you put, it was like, if you put this ring on your finger, you'll die in 30 days. No! And I was like, it was on my hand as I was actively reading that. And I was like, oh, oop. Big oop Every single head. day, we, we, counted we our down little group chat had a countdown. Luckily, I survived. I survived the, the curse. Yeah. I, I feel like if you're going to send that to somebody, like put it in a sealed bag, write yeah. the message on the outside of the bag first. Well, Maybe it, a bit more it, of a warning. It, it was. Dana just <laughs> didn't read the note <laughs> that I, came in. I it. definitely did not read the note User first. Which error. Is, yeah. Yeah. Always read the note first, kids. That so that one didn't work. That one didn't work. Yeah. I mean, I, not many of them typically do, but I mean, we've we've got stuff that, um, I think it. De- Depends because like we've had we've got stuff that has given people bad nightmares uh, with a lot of people who've who've had it around or touched it, um, and then you know there's there's one artifact I think that was probably the scariest one that we've ever dealt with that we called the crone. And this artifact uh, it was a, a a little effigy of a woman uh, with nails hammered into the eyes and a noose around the neck, Ooh, and it's a little wooden. I remember this. 
little wooden item that was found in a cave in the Catskill Mountains and uh, ended up, a couple hikers ended up uh, sending it to us after they, they found it. And, you know, we get lots of stuff and 90% of it, 95% of it never does anything strange for us. And I'm not saying that that doesn't mean it hasn't acted strangely for someone else, but I think people form these intimate connections with things that they're afraid of or, or even love. I mean, I think it works with all emotions. Uh, so we, we do what we, we always do. We take photos of it and then we, um, just archive it and set it on a shelf and don't expect much. This one actually did a lot of really scary stuff, both to us and to other people that came in contact with it. Um, almost immediately strange things started to happen where, uh, I think the first thing that happened was, um, we were watching television that same night and we hear a thump in the office and I thought it was the cats fighting. So I said, Oh, I'll go, I'll go break them up. Um, nothing in there. And, uh, I feel something under my toes and I almost stepped on Jesus who had been ripped off of a crucifix on the wall. No, come oh, come on. <laughs> There's nice. just a Not single Jay, arm, a single arm swinging on the crucifix that only Whoa. hung by one nail, by the way. So Whoa. that, you know, when you see something like that, um, at that point, concerned. yeah. At that point, we we decided to put a trail cam in in the office to see if we could capture anything weird around the crone itself. And, and one, it just turns out to be Bigfoot. Bigfoot is in there. <laughs> it's just it was just <laughs> Bigfoot the whole time. There he is. There he <laughs> what is. a twist that would be! <laughs> oh my god! I kind of wish that it would have been Bigfoot because the opposite of it, it actually being the crone was pretty terrifying. A little bit a little bit more fun. It would probably, have been way more Bigfoot. fun. Yeah. Yeah. One one night, the the trail cam that we had put in the office, uh, it triggered three times and it captured three separate photos, which were very strange. You know, there was a light anomaly in two of them. We could tell that it was kind of creating its own light source because it was reflecting off of some of the picture frames. And that was weird. But one of the things that we decided to do at that point was to string the three photos together. And once we did that, we could see in the photo when you when you looked at the table, which is where the crone had been sitting, that she actually moved by herself. She moves no, about half an no. inch, I think, to the right. She sort no, of pivots. No. Um, so that kind of like set the tone for a lot of the activity that we really experienced with her. And this was all stuff that the the guys who found it had experienced. Um, you know, they what what made them decide to send it away was. Uh, you know, they already did what you never do in a horror movie. They find a scary thing in the woods and they decide to take it home mm-hmm. with them. Yeah. <laughs> After mm-hmm. that, they'd notice weird swampy smells, wet footprints in the house. Um, eventually, you know, the the, the piece would move. Uh, was never really where they left last left it. And the the part that uh, really freaked them out was they they came into the living room one day and there was a woman, an old woman, stark naked, just standing in the corner, dripping wet. Get out and of my podcast. Get out of the <laughs> podcast right <now>. <laughs> That was <laughs> the last straw. Yeah. Yeah. Funny enough, though, the reason we even got this artifact was because of Bigfoot. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, we, we were filming an episode of Finding Bigfoot and – one of the uh, one of the PAs who we spent like two weeks in a van with um, was on Reddit and actually read uh, a thread that was posted to the paranormal subreddit about this object from these people, and he sort of suggested that they reach out to us. Mm-hmm. 
So in a way, Bigfoot is involved. Bigfoot did bring it together. Exactly. Whoa. <laughs> it's Bigfoot's fault. That's what that swampy smells all about. And did there, you know, wait is. a minute, though. I don't think uh, I knew about Riley and I knew about this stuff since the last time we spoke. But have you guys read Where the Footprints End? Uh, Joshua oh, yeah. Kutchin. Mm. So, Love it. So you know that there is there is often an old crone or a wailing woman associated with Bigfoot. Absolutely. That is seen mm. a woman in white, usually an older woman, is seen in and around the area where Bigfoot is seen as well. Um, Very interesting. It's all related, man. Mm-hmm. Dude, that is wild. I didn't even think about that until until just now when you said that. Um, <laughs> another object that came up when I was kind of poking around is the, uh, I think it's called the dark mirror. You have some yeah. scrying mirror. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. Um, so the dark mirror is one of the objects that we do when we do are able to travel. We usually bring it with us pretty much everywhere. And it's one of those objects that is absolutely one of the more active in um, in the museum. Yeah, and- people come up to us. One of the things we, we hear all the time is yeah. we hear, I, I, I never experience anything. I never have yeah. any weird experiences. We're like, here, try this mirror. Yeah, the, the mirror itself. So for people who aren't familiar with what scrying is, scrying is essentially you can think of it in terms of like crystal ball gazing. It's, it's gazing into a reflective surface. And for some people it's a form of meditation for other people. It's a, it's a form of divination. So, you know, they, they could be doing some kind of uh, inner work or maybe they're, they're trying to, you know, look into the future or whatever it is that they're trying to do. You essentially would look at, at this reflective surface and scrying mirrors originally like Nostradamus uh, famously used scrying mirrors and um, they would have been uh, pieces of very shiny obsidian, um, which is a volcanic glass. And the, you would gaze in at, at the surface of this very beautiful kind of inky black uh, reflective uh, surface and, and, you know, images would start to appear and and the interesting thing about the mirror that's in our museum is it is a very active object and like greg said for people who are really skeptical they will still walk away having had some sort of an experience and a lot of those experiences are sort of you know initially limited to people you know their reflection will smile when they're not smiling or they will blink Whoa. at themselves when they're not blinking. Those are really common things that people experience. Another one is uh, aging. Aging mm-hmm. is a really I, I like almost 50% of the people who look into it will, will see themselves rapidly aging, which is really fascinating. The craziest one though, was there was a woman, we were at St. Albans, uh, St. Albans sanitarium uh, in Virginia. And she picked up the mirror, she looked in it, and then she started sobbing and she had to put the mirror down because she saw a reflection of herself and in the reflection, she saw the room on fire and then she watched herself reach out and grab herself by the arms and these two big red welts had formed on each of her arms. What? Yeah. It was was crazy. We, 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 um, I mean... Maybe it's not the <laughs> it's not the right thing to do when we start taking pictures. We have we, yeah, we immediately <laughs> took photos. I mean, how that shit? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was like two red, yeah, big like red hand welts. marks. And she was so freaked out. And this was sort of when we started to put two and two together. Uh, we asked her, you know, why do you think this is something you saw? Because this was different than a, what 
anyone had ever seen before. And she talked about how one of her greatest fears is being in a house fire. Mm -hmm. And then we started to think about the type of experiences people were having with this mirror. People were experiencing things and being forced to confront things that they were uh, frightened of. Yeah. And that would happen over and over again from one woman who who looked into it. Uh, this was at um, the Stanley Hotel mm-hmm. in Colorado. She she watched her vision go away and she lost all of her vision and actually watched cataracts form over her eyes. She had just had cataract Whoa. surgery. Uh, and the doctor said, there's a good chance these will come back and they, we may not be able to operate on them and you may go blind. Yeah. It was a very, you know, the, the, the theory then, and it's still kind of the thought about the mirror itself is that there's something about it. There's something about the process of sort of scrying and looking into it that, um, that's like Greg said, it sort of brings up people's innate fears and whatever those are, are they're obviously very individual from person to person, but the things that are really common are things like aging and dying. You know, mm-hmm. those are obvious fears that pretty much everybody mm-hmm. kind of holds somewhere within themselves. So it's interesting because it's as if it, it, there's this like therapeutic element to it almost mm-hmm. where it sort of forces people to experience something that they're really frightened of. And then afterwards they're like, okay with it a little bit. They've, they've sort of faced that and uh, they can kind of walk away from the experience feeling like they've, you know, they've learned something new about themselves. So it's, it's one of those objects that again, I think, up front seems really frightening. You're, you know, I'm experiencing my worst fears. I don't want to, that seems evil. That seems scary, but there's something about the, the experience for the person when, when they're finished and they walk away where they feel like they've kind of, you know, they've, they've succeeded at facing some fear, fear that exists within themselves. So basically it's mushrooms. It's basically mushrooms. Legal. Exactly. Right. Legalized, legalized mushrooms. Legal mushrooms. Yeah. Yeah. Psilocybin cool. mirror. Would you, uh, forgive me if you mentioned it, do you guys remember where uh, this mirror came from? Do you know where yeah. like, its origins or what its origins are? This mirror um, was given to, uh, so there's these, uh, I think I can say this, this woman has, has passed away at this point. Uh, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, who was a pretty oh, prolific yeah. Um, yeah. author. Uh, she used to do uh, Black Mirror scrying workshops at, at conventions across the country. Uh, a, a woman who attended the workshop uh, bought one of the scrying mirrors, attended the workshop, and when she got home, she became obsessed with this mirror to the point where the way that you normally use a scrying mirror, uh, especially if you're trying to use it like psychomantium style, which is an old uh, Greeks used to use psychomantiums to speak to the dead you would go into a dark room and you'd have a single candle and you would just gaze in this dark room. So she would sit in a closet and stare into this thing to the point where her family started to get concerned about her and she Mm -hmm. would only ever see terrible things in it. Uh, And it was never elaborated. She didn't tell anyone what she saw, but she was always terrified of what she saw. And I think she just uh, took it to a bad obsessive place. And because of that, her daughter eventually intervened and said, you can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm not happy with what's happening here. It's actually affecting your life. Uh, I'm going to get rid of this thing. And so it was sent to us. And the, the woman said, you can destroy it. You can uh, experiment with it. I don't care. Uh, I just, my mom can't have it anymore. Wild. And then like every now and then you see her scurrying out of your, 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 your storage room. <laughs> we got good locks on the doors (laughs) (laughs) what do you have any um just thought of like do you have any like haunted 
spell books or like a magic book that you're like, this thing is wild. I'm, you know, we're always thinking of like the Necronomicon or something like that. I'm not saying it's that wild, but are you like, is there any book that you're like, this book's got something to it? There, I mean, I think there are certain, there are certain grimoires that sort of have a, a energy about them and can kind of pull you into a place where, you know, you're supposed to read this or you're supposed to read that. We have some books like that, but I think when I think of, when I think of books that have been sent to us by someone who's experienced weird stuff, there is one, and we don't even take this one out. There are, there's a lot yeah. of things that we have. I think a big part of what we do is we sort of store people's trauma sometimes. So there oh, are things that I think they've sort of attached some kind of a trauma or mm-hmm. strong emotion to, and the act of them giving it to us is sort of a symbolic way of, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, releasing that. They're, For sure. They're releasing it. And uh, so, you know, we're, ha- we're happy to put it on a shelf and uh, hold that for them. One of the things that, and, and a lot of that stuff is very sensitive, and we, we won't take that stuff out on the road. There is a book that we don't take out on the road. Uh, and it's an old book about witchcraft. It has actual blood stains on the inside of it. What? And nice. the woman who sent it to us is convinced that it caused her miscarriage. Mm-hmm. I think Oof. she believes that it's caused a few miscarriages. She, in, in fact, after having a miscarriage that she blamed on the book, she ended up uh, throwing it out and they moved cross country. I think it was from Texas to California. They moved or it might, might've been California to Texas. Greg, don't do this to me. <laughs> <laughs> and then it showed back up On in their bookshelf. her sh- bookshelf. Yeah. And, what? uh, that's when she sent it to us. Yeah. No, thank you. Get out of here. <laughs> I would be like, I would just burn every book in my house after that. <laughs> Yeah. Like, that's well, a... I'm only doing Kindle from now on. Goodbye, <laughs> Hey, we're we're entering a weird new world where there's haunted technology now. Mm-hmm. We have an SD card. We do. The haunted SD card that someone sent us. What? And, How uh, does a haunted SD card behave? Uh, well, they say every computer that that SD card goes in, <laughs> it will completely destroy it and wipe everything off of it. It, it could be a virus, but what the woman that gave it to us. The woman who gave it to us. She says there's a photo on there of what she claims is a zombie. Mm-hmm. And that is what has like caused that's it. It's cursed. And she thinks that the cursed photo of a zombie is what haunted this SD card. So new world. I mean, you could 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 have a haunted Kindle someday, dude. That's like the that's like the remake of the Ring is going to be like a haunted SD card of zombie <laughs> right? crawls out of your your laptop. That is cool. I like I like that. Any any before we go, any objects that are that you know or have heard are associated with a cryptid or maybe even an alien artifact. We have pieces yeah. of a crashed UFO. Come on, Go dead serious. Well, that's uh, that's it. that's they are. Uh, there was a, a pretty prolific collector of UFO photographs by the name of uh, Wendell Stevens. Wendell Stevens, uh, he he's a, a guy who he was very into like Billy Meyer, um, the mm-hmm. Billy Meyer stuff, 
but he, he had all of this correspondence and he did all kinds of uh, investigations all over the world with uh, UFO contactees and people who've seen UFOs. Um, he died years ago and his, uh, a, a lot of his collection of stuff just started to pop up and somebody ended up sending us uh, pieces of a UFO from his collection so we we now have in the museum. What are I, I they like? Them, well, they're like little pieces they're of weird. melted metal, and they feel almost magnetized. They do, but they're, they're not like one of the things. Like we've done, you know, just a few experiments with it with both pieces so far. And one of the things that I noticed, and and another one of our friends Connor Randall noticed, is that there's one of the pieces because they're relatively small, but there's one that when it's in your hand, it starts feeling heavier and heavier and heavier. So initially mm. when you put it in your hand, you're like, Oh, this just feels like a little, piece it's very of metal. light. They're very yeah. light. And then suddenly you're like, wow, this feels like it's getting, and I don't know whether that's again, psychosomatic or whatever reason. Cause we haven't done a, a ton of experimenting with it. There is a piece that feels as if it like, gains in weight the longer it sits in your hand it's so weird it has a weird vibe to yeah. like um almost a moldavite like a moldavite type, yeah type kind vibe. of yeah um all i want to do is put them in my mouth <laughs> don't do that <laughs> no i think that's like putting a ring on your finger that uh, that you get in the mail without exactly. checking the label first <laughs> exactly. it's, a bad, it's a bad habit i guess wow i love it i love every every bit of this uh, I could. I I hope one day to see all of these things behind a protective suit, of course. Oh, come on, <laughs> come on! You know, I'm kidding. There's I nothing kid, that but... can protect you. You know, that's true. That is true. <laughs> there is there is a haunted museum out there that Dan and I laugh about all the time because there's a a haunted doll in it allegedly, and they only will handle it in a hazmat suit, and it is the funniest fucking thing to me because as people who deal with this constantly. What is a hazmat suit going to do, buddy? That's not going to do nothing. So uh, no suit can protect you, man. All right. I guess I'll just show up dripping wet and naked and hang out in the corner (laughs) of your room. How's that sound? Uh, You wouldn't be the first. (laughs) Greg, Dana, thank you so much. Where can people find you, find your work, find Hellier, find the museum uh, and your stuff? Uh, Lay it on us. Uh, if people are curious about watching Hellier, you can see both seasons, 15 episodes for free uh, at hellier.tv. They're also on YouTube. And if you're curious about the museum, you can go to paramuseum.com. And uh, that's got all of our dates and all kinds of information about anywhere you can come see the museum. And we're very easy to find on social media yeah. if you just Google us. And at yeah. some point, at some point next year, we will have a feature-length documentary about the crone. It's almost done. Whoa! And you can see all of that stuff we talked about we'll make sure you guys see it first so excited and of course sometime next year we got to get together in person yeah i want to go on a hunt i want to do something i was thinking as you guys were talking like i bet these people never get bored they just never get bored they always have something to something cool to check out that's the goal. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh we we chose not to live normal lives for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> Good call. I thought that would be Hollywood for me. And let me tell you, there's a lot of waiting around. So <laughs> we hear. We hear that's the the hurry up and wait thing. 
Yeah. Um, all right, guys. Thank you so much for being on the show, Greg and Dana Newkirk. Uh, you can follow us at Bigfoot Pod on Twitter, at Bigfoot Collectors Club on Instagram. I'm at McMills on both of those two Zs. Uh, join our Patreon, why don't you? At Bigfoot Collectors, uh, patreon.com slash Bigfoot Collectors Club. For five bucks a month, you'll get three to five bonus episodes uh, every month. So check that out. Riley, what do you got? Nothing really. Just give me a follow on Instagram at Peace Drone. He's uh, got a beautiful yeah. face. You're going to want to look at it. Um, all right, everybody. Hashtag where's Bryce? We don't know. Hopefully this mystery will get more clues. Maybe we'll have more information for you all next week. Until then, thank you to Greg and Dana and good night. And go get regressed. All right. Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray. Our theme song is Come Alone by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps get the podcast to more listeners. To support the show, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Bigfoot Collectors Club and unlock multiple reward episodes every month. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible. And if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts.